Welcome to the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast, a free resource for gymnast parents and coaches to learn to fuel the gymnast for optimal performance and longevity in the sport. I'm your host, Christina Anderson, and I'm a pediatric and adolescent registered dietitian, sports nutritionist, a former gymnast, a current nationally rated gymnastics judge, and a wife plus dog mom. I help gymnasts and their parents learn to fuel without the stress or overwhelm so that they can reach their big goals and dreams both in and out of the sport. We want to help parents take a proactive approach to nutrition, and to do so, this podcast is all about hashtag real talk, where we tackle tough subjects about nutrition, body image, and more in the sport of gymnastics. All right, let's dive in. You're listening to episode 62 of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast. Hello and welcome back. I feel like it has been forever since I've been in the podcast studio, honestly, because I've been trying harder at batching some of these just because um, life is so busy, right? You all understand that. Um, I feel like I've been playing catch up. I got to go to US Championships last weekend to lecture at USA Gymnastics National Congress, which is the um, continuing education conference for judges and coaches. So I got to lecture on nutrition, um, which was such an honor. It was so great. But I also got to see some of my elite clients in person that were competing, which is super special because obviously as a virtual practice and living, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, it's definitely hard to see people in person. Um, But I also got to meet um, some of my team members in person and we got to plan some really exciting things for you all um, coming in 2024 and lots of other just super exciting things. Not to mention, it's just so great, you know, to see Um, each other in person. So with that, I wanted to share with you some thoughts and kind of some snippets of conversations I've been having with parents of older gymnasts as of lately. And I think there's a particular bias to this issue for gymnasts who are post-puberty, whose bodies have changed. Um, While this is certainly still an issue for younger prepubescent gymnasts, I think if we're honest, because of the focus on the body and aesthetics and just honestly still a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding, I think that can make this issue much more of a thing when they're older. So I want to talk about when trying to get your gym seat healthy actually backfires. And I know that sounds crazy, but I also know for many of you listening to this podcast, that probably sounds all too familiar. Um, Often as a parent, you sometimes will catch your gymnast or maybe your other child um, overeating or food sneaking or binge eating. And all of those can be really unsettling, right? Like you may think to yourself, oh my gosh, like what, what is happening? Like, why am I finding candy wrappers under their bed? You know, why does it seem like they're eating gargantuan portions and they have seconds and thirds after dinner. And, you know, there's no way that they're still hungry, but I'm watching them just shovel all this food in their mouth. And I have to say, you know, all of us have kind of a different lens, you know, in terms of nutrition and how we see things. Um, But when we're talking about these issues of, you know, truly overeating, certainly food sneaking, you know, even quote unquote, binge eating or eating kind of Um, massive amounts of foods in a really short period of time. These three things typically have two things in common, and that is restriction and underfueling. And something that I talk about in our program, in our course, in our team talks is 
the research on sugar and how, you know, what you hear in the news and the headlines and social media is that sugar is addicting, right? That sugar will make you overeat, that it's addictive, that it lights up the pleasure centers in the brain that also light up when you do drugs like cocaine. Therefore, you know, sugar is addictive. But what people don't know about those research studies is that when these studies were done in mice and rats, which are not the same as humans, but we often use these uh, kind of murine models in research, at least in the early phases, what they don't tell you in these headlines, you know, if you actually read the research studies, you'll see that these mice and rats were actually deprived and restricted. So they were starving, like they were not getting enough nutrition. And so of course, when the researchers gave them food, even in the form of sugar, their body realized that this is just a source of energy. So of course, the pleasure center in the brain lit up in response to this, because that's a survival mechanism. That's the brain saying, oh my gosh, we finally are getting food. We're not going to die. Keep it coming. And I think that's often similar behavior that we see in our gymnast where you pick them up from practice and they are so hungry or hangry that they eat three dinners. They eat all the desserts, like they can't stop eating in the evening. And I know sometimes it's like, well, you just worked out for four or five hours, like whatever, it's fine. But then sometimes it can be um, a little unsettling, especially, you know, when you know that they haven't been eating enough throughout the day or they're not eating enough of the right things. And so I want to talk through kind of three tenets of, you know, what we support parents and gymnasts with in our practice, in our programs. Um, And that first starts with what I call the all foods fit approach. So I don't prescribe any sort of diet. I never say that certain foods are off limits. I think it's really important to respect a family's individual, you know, preferences and their style and their cuisine and their, you know, cultural preferences. And so because of that, what we teach our parents in terms of how to build meals and snacks, that framework can work within your family. It doesn't have to be altered. We're first focusing on adequacy. We focus on variety. Um, But I'm not going to come in here and say, oh my gosh, you can't eat that anymore. That's not the right thing or that's not healthy. Um, I think a big compliment that we get about our approach is that we don't come in here and tell you what you can and can't feed your gymnast. And I know a lot of quote unquote nutritionists and even sports dietitians, you know, if they do a team talk or you do a one-on-one session with them, they will try to completely overhaul your diet and all of a sudden, you know, tell you that you should be drinking kale smoothies for breakfast and, you know, anchovies on seaweed salad for lunch and you can't have any carbs with dinner. Like they just come in here with these high and mighty ideas about food that I would say most of the time people are like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. We don't even eat that stuff. And then they tune them out. You know, I I think that's the number one thing I've heard is, oh yeah, we had a nutritionist come and talk to the gym and everything she suggested that our gymnasts eat was like so weird and way too on the healthy end of the spectrum that it just wasn't realistic. And so I think the all foods fit approach is just really realistic with first focusing on adequacy, you know, then focusing on variety, but also supporting, you know, the gymnast relationship with food. And that's something that we call eating competence. You know, I want your gymnast at, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, I want her to know how to fuel her body, how to make, um, I guess, quote unquote, good choices. I I hate to even use that word because I don't feel like food is good or bad, but I think that's a language that a lot of you relate to. Um, I want her to make confident choices in 
fueling her body and know how to enjoy, you know, the fun foods and the sweets and treats without needing to go overboard. And I would say the number one struggle that we see in our upper level and often highest level gymnasts, you know, level 10s and elites is it's this very dysregulated relationship with food where because they have been so over-restricted for years and years, because their parents have been told that they have to feed them perfectly, perfectly clean, that everything has to be super healthy because they've been so restricted and because they've been underfueled, which is often unintentional. It just sets them up for this massive implosion where, you know, when there's a lot more social eating opportunities, when they get their license, when they go to college, um, there, there is no moderation. They're just eating anything and everything. And a lot of it is done in secrecy. There's a lot of overeating just from kind of a shame and guilt response. Um, and that can cause major issues with health, with body composition, with performance. And it really all comes back to, you know, supporting your gymnast relationship with food. And so one thing that we teach in the program is I actually want parents to strategically, you know, serve what I call the fun foods or what you may call junk foods um, with meals and snacks so that your gymnast never gets to the point where she's so restricted or deprived that when she finally gets her hands on one of these foods, she eats all of them. And I can share with you uh, several stories about this, but one that comes to mind is um, a level 10 gymnast who um, had a really serious medical issue, um, maybe at 14 or 15 years old. And so because of that, she had been out of the gym for almost a year. And if you look back at this gymnast at 14 years old, I mean, she you know, was equivalent in terms of development to probably 11 or 12 years old. I mean, she had been massively underfueled, had been training 25 to 30 hours a week a year. And when this major health issue happened and she had to step away from the gym for a year, you know, her body did all of this catch up growth over that year. You know, it did two, three, four years of growth and development all in a really short time frame. And not only did it catch up to kind of where she should have been, you know, on her genetic blueprint, but there actually was also a little bit of weight overshoot. And that's just protective. I mean, that is something we often see because when your gymnast is underfueled, that is starvation. You know, the brain senses that as starvation. So it's going to do everything it can to try to save and to store and to get the body back to homeostasis, like back to its kind of desired genetic trajectory in terms of weight, in terms of height. And so when she went back to the gym in this just totally changed body, um, she felt really uncomfortable, right? I mean, her body was totally different. She had lost all of her endurance and stamina, you know, prior to having to step away from the gym, she was throwing huge release moves on bars. She had double backs on floor. She was working your chinko foals. I mean, she was already a level 10 at 14 years old. She made it to nationals her first year. And so her comeback has been really rough and, you know, an effort to help her quote unquote, her mom actually, you know, tried to, you know, restrict a lot of these fun foods to help her. Right. And I think a lot of us have that mentality of like, well, you know, if you don't keep them in the house, you're, you're not going to eat them. But what was happening is that this gymnast would eat super clean all week. She would hardly eat any carbs, pretty much just protein and fruits and veggies and some fats. And not only was she not eating enough, so she was massively underfueled. And because of that, she was dizzy at gym. She couldn't make it through her floor skills. Um, she was always tired. She was always sore. She was always kind of foggy and lightheaded. But because she wasn't eating enough and it was so unsatisfying, 
But on the weekends when there would be the fun foods in the house from just, you know, ordering in or having friends over and there would be, you know, chips and cookies and crackers and goldfish and Cheez-Its and whatever, um, she would she would binge on them. And I have to say there there's two definitions to a binge. So a subjective binge is where, you know, you all of a sudden eat the whole bag of potato chips and you didn't intend to. Um, and maybe it's because you were sad or lonely or upset, or maybe you just kind of mindlessly ate through the whole thing while you're watching TV. But that's kind of what we call a subjective binge or where, you know, maybe you ate three or four cookies instead of one or two and you feel guilty. And so you might call that quote a binge because you feel like you lost control. An objective binge is something that we would term more for actual like binge eating disorder where, you know, in a very short time frame, you're consuming thousands of calories um, in a very kind of out of control fashion. There could be compensatory behaviors after that or not. Um, but I just want to clear that up because when you use the term binge, I'm typically talking about just a subjective binge. And so, yeah, every weekend this gymnast was binging on the foods that had been forbidden that weren't allowed. And so then every Monday it was like diet starts Monday. And so our very first session, we talked through all of this and I asked her, I was like, you know, before all this medical stuff happened and before you had to quit gymnastics temporarily, you know, how, how did you eat prior to that? You know, at 13, 14 years old. And she was like, Oh my gosh, like I, I ate anything I want. Like if I went to Chick-fil-A, I got nuggets and fries and a milkshake. Like I never thought twice about it. Um, I didn't always finish my food, but, um, it just, it just wasn't an issue. And I was like, you know what? I totally think you can get back to that, right? Like you're training 25 hours a week. That is a significant amount of energy you need. But I think, in effort to try to lose weight and to slim down right now and to eat healthy and to manage your medical condition, you're actually kind of shooting yourself in the foot because, you know, inadvertently you're eating so clean and you're still under fueling and it's so restrictive that then you're totally sabotaging yourself every weekend or at friends' houses or parties or just basically any opportunity that you can get your hands on these quote unquote forbidden foods. And so literally at our first session, I was like, this is going to sound crazy, but what I actually want you to do is I want you to intentionally include some of your favorite fun foods, you know, with your meals as part of your performance plate. Because at the end of the day, you know, all these foods are still carbs, protein, and fat. And, you know, of course, they're not the same nutrition wise, right? I'm not going to argue that, you know, Cheez Its are the same nutritionally as brown rice. You know, of course, they're both carbohydrates. You know, Cheez Its have a little bit of fat. But obviously brown rice is a lot more nutrient dense in the sense that it's got more vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. But at the end of the day, they're both still carbs. They both still increase blood sugar. They both still contribute towards overall fueling. And so what's crazy is after just one week of incorporating some of her favorite foods again, she wasn't eating two, three plates at dinner anymore. In fact, she wasn't even finishing all of her meals. She was so much more satisfied. She wasn't thinking about food all the time. She wasn't binging on the weekends anymore. And even just watching her relationship with her mom change has been incredible because, you know, I could tell at that first session that there was a lot of tension as there normally is, right? Because as a parent, you're like, ooh, I'm worried about my gymnast body. You know, I think she's gained too much weight with puberty, or maybe the coach has said something. I think that she's not eating healthy enough. So I'm trying to get her to eat healthy. And that right there just often causes food fights and and war with the gymnast. And to be honest, it often pushes the gymnast to continue overeating and sneaking and binging um, almost out of spite, possibly out of guilt and shame. 
Um, or it could just be kind of some teenage rebellion. So I think learning to work with your gymnast and learning to support their autonomy and to support the relationship with all foods is actually going to get you the desired result that you were going for. It's just in a little bit of a roundabout way. And so, you know, we call this practice eating competence because like I said, you know, it's my goal for the upper level gymnasts that we work with, you know, when they get their driver's licenses or when they go to college, I want them to be able to fuel and nourish their bodies with all foods. I want them to feel confident with the fun foods, with the sweets and treats, to know how to navigate those things, to know, you know, what makes them feel good and what is enough. And just to have that sense of security that there's no need to overeat these things because they're always allowed. I can have them when I want, but at the same time, I want them to know how to nourish their bodies to say, you know what? I do feel really good when I eat, you know, X, Y, Z foods. This is how I like to eat most of the time. And then we sprinkle in the fun foods as needed, honestly, to stay sane. Um, I think another layer to this whole issue is when gymnasts are also um, just massively underfueled and not growing and not developing. And thinking back to this you know, story I just shared with you, if I were to have worked with this gymnast at 14, you know, it sounded like she ate whatever, whenever. And she, you know, if she went to Chick-fil-A, she wanted the fries and the nuggets and the milkshake. Um, not just because they're, you know, tasty and delicious, but honestly, because her body was screaming for more nutrition. And, you know, while there's nothing wrong with eating fries and a milkshake, it's probably not something that we're going to do all day, every day. But um, again, I think there's this bias, you know, when your gymnast is young and they're prepubescent and they're, you know, skinny or thin or lean or whatever term you want to use. I think there's a lot more kind of unconscious permission for them to eat, you know, whatever they want and parents don't worry about it. Yet when they go through puberty and their bodies change, then all of a sudden we're doubling down, we're trying to restrict and we just make a huge mess of this. And so even with my younger gymnast, you know, a lot of them, their parents will complain that they are obsessed with junk food, that all they want is candy and carbs and junk. And again, because they're little and small, you know, parents are often like, well, whatever, you know, you're burning a ton of energy at gym. Like I'm not going to worry about it. But again, that will still set them up to struggle when they get older. So I think it's also important when your gymnast is, you know, level five, six, seven to make sure that they are eating enough because that's the number one thing that's going to help them to calm down around food. So we want to make sure that they're eating enough. We want to give permission for these fun foods. We want to serve them in frequent enough amounts that we give our gymnasts some self-trust right? We don't want them to have the scarcity mindset with food. We want them to feel safe and like, you know what? It's okay. There's always going to be cookies. There's always going to be ice cream. You know, I can enjoy them and love them and they're awesome, but there's no need to overdo it. So um, this isn't just an older gymnast problem. This is honestly a younger gymnast problem too. But again, I think it gets overlooked simply um, because of development and kind of body habitus, which is really crappy because, um, it it is, it's just certainly a bias against these older gymnasts, but it's a problem that we create often and we created it at a young age. So, um, if this is resonating with you, um, I totally encourage you to reach out. Um, this is a big part of what we teach in our program, in our one-on-one coaching. And I can tell you when parents buy into this process, when they can loosen up their food rules a little bit, can give some more flexibility and permission when they can also make sure that their gymnast is eating enough. Um, 
they often get what they want. Like in the end, they often get a gymnast who will eat more foods, who will eat the quote unquote healthy and nutrient dense foods and who won't go crazy, you know, with the fun foods when they are presented. So um, I encourage you to check out more episodes of the podcast. Um, I'm going to link to another one in the show notes all about sugar if you want an even deeper dive to that. We also have a free guide called the top five do's and don'ts of gymnast nutrition for parents. Um, You can opt into that also in the show notes. That guide just has some of my best advice of things to do for your gymnast that is helpful and things to be aware of that may not be as helpful. So with that, I appreciate all of you. I hope this has been an enlightening episode and your wheels are turning. And again, if this has really Um, touched you, if you have realized, oh my gosh, we are struggling in these ways, whether you have a level five, six or a level nine, 10 or elite gymnast, um, please reach out. Please feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram. You can contact me on our website and I'd love to hear what's going on and just help you kind of triage and figure out what would be um, the best next steps. So with that, I'll see you guys next week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast sponsored by the Balanced Gymnast Method course. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss out on any episodes. You can find any links that we mentioned in the show notes of the episode and also how you can work with us. If you're looking to learn to fuel your gymnast for optimal performance without the stress or overwhelm, feel free to email us. If you have any questions, you can reach us at support at christinaandersonrdn.com, share what's going on, and we'll get back to you. Or you can learn more about our programs by going to our website, christinaandersonrdn.com slash work with us. Bye for now.